Stephanie Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Bobby Gibson. I'm Josh Quinn. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the You know what? (laughs) It's only a game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hold bitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer. To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. Ladies and gentlemen, live from Northeast Ohio and beyond, you're listening to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron. I'm the host of your show today. My name is Jake Murren. Two guests join me as always on the other side of the desk. First, he is the greatest football mind in WZIP sports. He's the always entertaining Matt Pramuka. Good morning, Akron. And second, he's the most entertaining member of WZIP Sports. He's a widow in just about every sport you can think of. It's Marcus Anderson. What's up? All right, guys, a quick rundown of what you can expect out of today's show. To end the show, we'll discuss all things NFL. That includes last week's title games, the Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl games, and so much more. Before that, we'll talk about the new Kyrie Irving news, because when isn't there new Kyrie Irving news, the NBA All-Star Reserves, and an around-the-root question surrounding the Cavs that I personally cannot wait to talk about on air and get your opinion as well about on Twitter. In half an hour, we'll focus on the Zips women's basketball team, the legendary segment known as Hot Mike, where we answer all of your questions from our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. We'll also go down in that segment. But first, we have some celebrating to do as it relates to our Zips men's basketball team. We'll do that in a matter of moments, but let's quickly break down the Zips 81-64 to win on Tuesday over the Buffalo Bulls. I'll send it right over to you guys. What would you think of this dominant win out of our Akron Zips? That was fun to watch, man. First half, you put up 42 points. Uh, Xavier Castaneda, 7 of 8 from downtown. It was just an offensive performance that was incredible to watch. I've never been in such an atmosphere like that. I mean, there, I got to say, there's nothing like Kemp week for real. It, it was all white out. It's just, it was, the whole, the whole thing was booming. It was all packed. It was loaded. And, like, just, just a whole two halves. It was just exciting. That's the most fun I ever had for real. Yeah, we'll get to the Kent State game here in a matter of moments. But talking about the Buffalo game right now, you mentioned it, Matt, the 42 points in the first half. We were leading them 42-25 to 25 at halftime, and then both teams scored 39 in the second half. This Zips team, they shot 55.4% from the field, 66.7% from three-point range. Absolutely ridiculous shooting there out of Akron. And they also forced 18 Buffalo turnovers, but... 
the number 32 with this team, it's incredible. Unfortunately, it didn't happen against Kent State, but Xavier Castaneda against Buffalo, 32 points, 10 for 12 shooting, 7 for 8 from three-point range. That was, I believe, the fourth consecutive game for the Akron Zips that a player had scored 32. Of course, uh, Xavier had the two back-to-back games. Then Enrique scored 32, and then Xavier back with another 32 piece. So you love to see that. Without further ado, let's put that Buffalo game behind us. We'll leave that one there. But let's talk about the Akron Zips monumental win over the Kent State Electric Chickens on Let's go. Oh, yeah. As we oh, celebrate, yes. as we celebrate, gentlemen, let's hear how our Zips team celebrated after the win as well. Gentlemen, I have probably listened to that clip about 10 times so far since Friday. <laughs> I mean, what an insane clip. The energy that these boy, these gentlemen bring out to the court oh, every chills. single game, chills. especially against Kent State. And then they do that backstage in the locker room. John Gross getting into it. I think it was Clark. He was dancing the entire video. I mean, insane things from our Zips men's basketball team. Send it over to you guys. What do you think of this win over the team down the road. Oh, just the atmosphere in the jar that night, man. That was that was a that was an experience I will never mm-hmm. forget. I've never seen a more just rowdy student section in all my life. And I've sat in Blocko at, at the shoe. Like that was just a different level of just chaos that we brought to the just we brought as fans. A great experience. Yeah, it was a great experience. I mean, it's it's quite comparable to the fans for the Guardians down at yeah down at the Guardian Stadium, but it was just something else, man. Like, I was even good with the crowd. Like, and I was on camera for this game. I was getting furious myself. He was, I, I, was, I, was getting, I was watching Marcus. He was operating the baseline camera, like the opposite side of the student section. There's times where, like, I can just, I'm looking at his facial expressions and I'm like, man. Right. I was really getting oh. furious. It was like the rest almost was trying to screw us. Oh, but that, that, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like the fourth quarter, like, we were up 15, then, like, Kent went on that little mini run. Dude, I was just watching your face. You were like having it with (laughs) it was that it was the ref on the coaches like on the bench side right it was oh yeah oh yeah everyone had a vendetta against him but it was a capitalizing win i mean they had the lead that whole entire game they never gave up once Mm -hmm. i was like they was just kicking butt the whole time i was enjoying they came out the gate just uh, the first play was that alley-oop to enrique and i mean like he caught two bodies man and for just like right then and there that sent the tone for the whole night like I knew people at that game that I knew, like, don't really watch basketball at all. And, like, just looking around after that opening just dunked by Enrique, the whole jar was just – it. The roof was blown off right then and there. It was an incredible night. Definitely. When I saw Enrique hit three, like, Enrique's hitting three-pointers? Oh, we about to win this. We we got this in the bag. He's hitting threes? Oh, man. I missed that one. 
But, yeah, you guys mentioned it. Akron took the lead 10 seconds into the game. It never let it go. And according to ESPN, capacity crowd at James A. Rhodes Arena is 5,500. This wow. game, 5,821. So a sellout yep. and then some. Yeah, they, wow. announced, they announced the sellout uh, about 25 minutes before tip-off. Like, yeah. there, was not, mm. there was not space to move. I... Like I know for one, I didn't have a seat in the student section because we purposely over like over flooded those rows. Like I didn't, I did not sit the entire time, even halftime. It was well worth it, though. Yeah. Also, I'll I'll thanks to the Kent State fans for helping us fill those seats too. And also, according to the signs y'all brought to the game, first of all, let's get this straight: we don't kick puppies here. And we don't eat non-frosted, <laughs> non-frosted pop tarts. Wait, well, they said they had those signs. Yeah, they had those signs saying Akron kicks puppies, and we eat non-frosted <laughs> pop tarts. So just is that oh, even gosh. an insult? Yes. <laughs> Have you ever had a non-frosted pop tart? Those things are awful. I don't even know if they exist. I even know. Yeah, I even think there was such thing. Oh, <laughs> Looking at today's show, for whatever reason, I didn't think that a non-frosted pop tart would come into the discussion. Yeah, that wasn't on my bingo card. <laughs> right. this, but hey, we're here, man. Nor did I even really know they existed. I think that's not. That's kind of lame. Like, <laughs> out of all things to write on a sign. To bring into an opposing team's arena, that's what you're going to write. Oh no, that's a, that's a very, no, that's a very specific insult. I will credit the creativity there. Uh, like that enough. is a very very rare thing to think of. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, before we break down this game further, here is head coach John Gross on the big win over Kent State. Yeah. First, I mean, I could spend the entire post game press conference talking about the crowd. Man, did I challenge Zip Nation, Zips Nation to come out, and boy, did they ever. Uh, was sold out 20 minutes before tip. The student body was awesome. Uh, the AK Rowdies were awesome. Uh, it was just it was an electric environment in here, best environment we've had since I've been the coach here. And so we're just so thankful. We don't take that for granted. So shout out to Zips Nation uh, first and foremost. I thought they made it a really electric environment in the building. I thought our guys were really tough mentally and physically. I thought that they um, did a really, really nice job of, you know, handling adverse situations during the game, getting to the next play. thought our upperclassmen really did a great job of leading us. And then we had plays that were made by everybody that played. I mean, I thought Clark was really good. thought Tavari played well. thought Nate played well. I thought we got good minutes uh, from Hunter. All, we needed all every single one of them to play well in a game like that. I've got... Great respect for Kent. Terrific opponent. Great team. Very well coached. Really good players. Competitive guys. And so, um, you know, we knew we were going to have to play really, really well, you know, to beat them. You know, I got obviously great respect for them. You guys talked about the atmosphere and the environment at the JAR. So did head coach John Gross, appreciating Zip Nation for coming out, said it was the best atmosphere that he's been since he's been the head coach of the Akron Zips. And what an effort it was from this men's basketball team. Xavier Castaneda scored 24 on the night, 14 of which were scored in the second half. He's getting very confident with that long-range step-back shot. And on my end, just watching it, these are shots that in the moment look like terrible looks, terrible shots to be taking, but they always just find a way to go in the basket. Then Enrique Freeman, 19 points himself. I said it on last week's show. I could see a 32 piece and seeing that streak continue against Buffalo, but when it comes up 
when it comes against Kent State, I really saw a more balanced approach. I think that Xavier Castaneda and Enrique Freeman were both going to go for 20. Of course, Castaneda, 24. Enrique Freeman, just one short of 20, scoring 19 himself. You also mentioned the three-point shot for Enrique Freeman, Marcus. Uh, Anything more to add to this performance from the Zips team, guys? No, I think that was uh, Coach Gross alluded to. Like everyone needed to play well, and I think he did a really great job of stacking the rotations because there uh, during every TV timeout he would pull Castaneda or Freeman off the court and throw in uh, you know either another guard or forward, and then every next dead ball they were coming in. Like he was he was using the built-in timeouts to get his players rest so he could run Enrique and Xavier all night. So just uh, subtle uh, so, uh, tip of the cap to Coach Gross on those rotations. Uh, brilliant. Yeah, they did a great job with the physicality. I thought that was the main thing they had to do, one of the main points of getting a victory over the Kent State Golden Flash because i known, uh watching them this season, I know they've been one of the most aggressive, most best rebounding teams in all of the NCAA, I'll say. And for, for a minute there, I thought it was going to take the mag for the way they've been holding teams on the ropes, like, act like Gonzaga and Houston. But they did their job. The Zips did their job. Especially the main key was out-rebounding, beating them on the rebound shots. They exactly did that. And they kept it physical. They was aggressive. They met aggression with aggression. And they got the win. Yeah, that they did. I also thought the Zips defense was very impressive. You talked about the physicality, Marcus. Sincere Carey, that guy oh. down the road, oh, yes. <laughs> we all hate. The man yeah. that just said, I'm going to the NBA, got no attention <laughs> yeah. from the NBA, and said, I'm coming back, guys. I was joking. <laughs> and he came back just to lose to Akron. You love to see it. He only had 15 points, 5 for 17 shooting, 2 for 13 from three-point range, the Zips held him at bay. Nailed a team that averages nearly 75 points per game to just 55 on Friday night. They held Kent State to 37.5% shooting, 23.1% from three-point range. They were 6 for 26 from behind the arc, and they also out-rebounded Kent State 36 to 28. So that's a good recap of the game, but I want to look forward about what this game means for Akron. So how does this game affect the Zips' chances to go on and win the MAC both in the regular season and in the tournament? Well, don't we have to be like regular season favorites now? I think like we're 9 and 1 mm-hmm. in the conference. Oh, we yeah. the he- we've got the head to head over Kent currently. You know, we play them obviously uh end of February, beginning of March. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, we should be the odds-on favorite to win the regular season award. Uh tournament uh, that's going to be a different beast because you're going to most likely play Kent again to some capacity, most likely in the MAC championship. Uh, but before that, you're going to have to get past either Toledo or Ball State, and those guys are still a game and a half behind you. So, I mean, uh, by no means have we won anything yet. By no means are we going back to the dance, but we're off to a really, really strong start. Yeah, the Zips are now 17-6, and 9-1 and one in conference play, and our first in the conference. Momentum is huge and should be carried forward, but there are still eight more games left to play, four of which are against the top four teams in the MAC. Before I go to you, Marcus, and get your thoughts, here's Trendon Hankerson after the win against Kent State. I thought this was too good not to include in today's show, so take a listen. It is a must-listen. Um, I would just say attack. Uh, we're not here to defend anything. I think that's a huge point that Coach uh, emphasized to us at the beginning of the season is that we're not here to defend another title. Um, we're here to attack for another one. And so I thought we did a great job of doing that tonight as well. We're not here to defend a title. We're here to attack 
another one. All about the next one. Absolutely oh, yeah. love oh, yeah. hearing that from Trenton Hankerson, who wasn't even on this team a year ago. Love hearing that. Marcus, oh, yeah. what do you think about the Zips team and their chances in the MAC? Oh, I think it's most likely, I think, not just to win the MAC, but, like, go back to the NCAA tournament and actually get past the first Maybe get past the first round. I don't want to be too optimistic, but it's, they're catching on lately. Got AK winning streak going. They come together. They have some chemistry installed, and they really have a flow going with this team. So, yeah, I, I think their chances are really up there. Oh, if we make it to the tournament, man, I would love to be the Cinderella story of this year. You're, America, you're going to tell me America wouldn't love watching a kangaroo go to like the sweet 16 or something like oh, we would man. we would be we would be america's sweetheart for a year yeah it would be great i would love to see it and i don't think it's a bad thing to feel optimistic about this team right now i mean we just came off the biggest win of the season and the momentum is there we're on the eight game winning streak that we're on and i agree with you guys that our chances in the mac this year regular season and tournament wise are really high and let's kind of break down this regular season i mentioned eight games left the zips have to beat ohio eastern michigan buffalo and western michigan i think those teams left in the season are must win games just because those aren't the best of opponents right but then the zips have tough games against toledo they play toledo twice then they have a game against ball state and a game against kent state those are the teams that are in the top four in the mid-american conference so i want to give this to you guys you think the zips lose over under two and a half games the rest of the season would that be enough to go on and win the conference in the in the regular season at least Oh, that's that's really tough because a lot some of those games are on the road. You play Toledo and Kent on the road, and you play Ohio on the road. I know you took care of Ohio earlier on the year at home, uh, but the Bobcats are ten and one at home, and you're only four and three on the road. So, you know, there's there's three really tough road games, and you set the line at two and a half. You know, I'm I'm going to take the under, but just. No, it's a very real possibility that this schedule really might, uh, you know, bite us at the worst kind, uh, worst time of the year. Yeah, it's not an easy strength of schedule for the rest of the regular season. Marcus, thoughts on the last eight games for the Akron Zips? Uh, I think we got the bench. Uh, of like, um, what separates us from the rest of the MAC in the conference is that we got a decent, solid bench to carry us through this tough stretch of a schedule, pretty much, and we we got you through. I'll, I definitely picking the over on at least over two wins these last couple games. So, but yeah, where it's highly we go take this take this conference. I'm not saying for sure or declaring it, but it's highly. Yeah, and even top three would be a great spot to play in come Mid American Conference tournament time up in Cleveland. You love to hear it, and I agree with you guys. I really liked your assessment of it, Matt. Kind of saying. We have those tough games on the road. We're not the best road team. I do agree that we'll lose under two and a half games this season, but it certainly is not out of the realm of possibility. And, of course, coming to the tournament, momentum is the only thing that matters. Of course, getting a better seed means easier opponents, meaning a better chance to win the conference or win the tournament. But ultimately what matters is that momentum coming down the stretch. Of course, tough opponents, but... The Zips team, they beat tough opponents this year, I believe, in what they can do. And let's talk about those upcoming games this week, at least. Let's preview their game against Toledo. This one is at the jar. Takes place on Tuesday night. Akron, I mentioned the eight-game winning streak. They're 12-0 at home this year. Toledo, 
They're streaking right now as well. They're just a game behind Akron in the standings. They're on a seven-game winning streak. What do you guys think of this matchup against the Rockets? This is going to be a really, really tough matchup because the top four teams in the MAC realistically all could take the conference in the regular season. Uh, Toledo's currently third, I believe. Both teams are white hot right now. I'm going to give the edge to us just because we're at home and we're undefeated at the jaw right now. So I'm going to hope that streak continues. Yeah, home for, home court advantage wins every time. Not every time, but most of the time. So, yeah, I got the zips. Now, ESPN Analytics gives Akron a 63.2% chance to win. And I agree with you guys. I think this is a game that Akron can win. I think home, uh, being that it is at home at the jar, I think that matters a lot. And if you look at Toledo, they were coming off a narrow win, a three-point win over Miami of Ohio, who's 7-15. and But then yesterday they crushed Central Michigan, who's an 8-15 and team. Who Then that final score was 84-59. to They have Ray J. Dennis, J.T. Shoemate and Cedric Milner Jr. Jr. Uh, Cedric Milner, I mean, he was giving me nightmares last year in the MAC tournament. He's back with two more guys on that team. They kind of like that that big three yeah. on their team. Uh-huh. Any of them can go off. Not much depth, and I agree with you, Marcus. One thing that differentiates the Zips team from other Mid American Conferences teams this year is our depth, is our bench. So hopefully that can prevail on Tuesday night, and we're all going with a Zips win for Tuesday. But what about next Saturday against Ohio? This one being on the road. You mentioned Akron's record on the road, Matt, just 4-3. and three. Ohio, very good at home. What do you think about this matchup? Yeah, uh, you know, we played them a couple weeks ago. We scored 83, and I think that was our season high at that point. But at the same time, we also let up something in the mid-70s, which was our uh, worst defensive performance on the year. So it's kind of a double entendre there. Uh, You are on the road. They take basketball very seriously at home in Athens. Uh, They are 2-9 and on the road, though. So... You really need to you need to steal one right there. You need to just bury the Bobcats right now because this could be one of those losses that really bites you when it comes to seeding for the MAC tournament. So you really need to take care of business. This is by no means a gimme. Yeah, based off the last time, their last matchup, I wouldn't take this opponent very lightly because this is a rattlesnake of a basketball team. I mean, it, if, you, if you're not very careful, they could really bite you in the butt, like, real quickly and leave you for dead pretty much. So I'd say, like, definitely make some adjustments and learn from last matchup because this was a very tough team. And it's way more than its record, just 12 and 11. So I would say be careful make those judgments. Yeah, that previous matchup against Ohio was on January 28th, as you guys both alluded to. That one was played at home. It was an 83-77 to win for Akron. That was the game where Enrique Freeman went off and scored 32 points and collected 15 rebounds as well. And in that matchup, Ohio scored 27 bench points against the Zips in their last meeting, so that's something to look out for as well. They are led by Dwight Wilson the third, but Anybody can really get it going for that Ohio Bobcats team. They have lost four of their last seven games, but did beat Miami of Ohio ten by 10 points yesterday afternoon. ESPN Analytics actually gives Ohio a 52.1% chance to win. And, you know, Akron were underdogs, I believe, to Buffalo earlier this week. Definitely underdogs to Kent State. They play good in this position. What do you guys think, though, in terms of a prediction? Does this game get, win, get won by the Akron Zips? You know, you're coming off probably your biggest, like, just team high, you know, 
uh, six game, six or eight game winning streak. Eight game winning, eight game winning streak. Yeah. You know, you. Uh, you uh, um, words are tough right now. Yeah, but you uh, you know you blow out Buffalo, you beat your division rival, and then you kind of have to collect yourselves and then go on the road to a raucous environment. I I I want to pick Akron. I think if we are going to slip up on this current hot streak, I think it'll be in Athens. Yeah, it could be. I might. This could be a minor setback, pretty much, and they will get back into the flow of things. A lot of you guys are both predict- predicting Zips' losses. I'm going to go with the Zips here. I am riding very high on this Zips team. The optimism is through the roof of Colby Hall right now for me for this Zips men's basketball team. I have them going 2-0 this week and really maybe only losing a game or two down the stretch, maybe at Toledo and then, of course, at Kent State. Those two games I have a circle around. Maybe, maybe those ones are losses, but this week at least Toledo at home and then in Athens against the Ohio Bobcats. To me, those are two winnable games. Of course, tough games at that, but I do like Akron's chances in both of those. Before we go to break, one more thing about this Akron Zips team that I wanted to ask you guys, because this has been kind of a conversation that's been going from show to show to show right now, and it's who's the MVP of this Akron Zips men's basketball team. We talked about it last <coughs> week, and I believe Dev said Xavier Castaneda and Casey Nice said Enrique Freeman. Really, those are the only two options, right? And the week before that, Logan Congrove had already said Xavier, but I want to get your guys' opinions. Marcus, I'll go to you first. Who do you think is the most valuable player on this Zips team right now? Oh, the Wendy City kid. I mean, X, the X man, the right. X factor. Fair enough. <laughs> now, I'm going to say Enrique. You know, there you go. There, there were points in that game against Kent the on um, Friday night where Enrique was just he was on an island in the paint. I, there was uh, you out rebounded Kent narrowly. You know, Enrique had 17 of those. He was getting everything, and if. He, you know, he doesn't grab some of those rebounds. Kent State gets offensive rebounds. They get extra possessions. It could very well have been a different game. I think just a 19 and 17 game. That's if that doesn't scream like monstrous dominant performance, I don't know what will. And I absolutely love watching Xavier Castaneda play point guard. Uh, but I think finding guards that can score is a lot is a lot easier to find than finding a power forward or center that can take over a game like Enrique did Friday night. Yeah, that's a great point too, Matt. And one I I personally haven't thought of, in Castaneda, I mentioned it last week, he averages 21 points per game. You love to see that. He fills it up from the free free, free throw line, excuse me, which is huge. I think he's a little bit one-dimensional. I don't like seeing him average only 2.8 assists per game as a guard. Enrique Freeman, he can get into foul trouble at times, but he consistently averages a double-double, and his efficiency and reliability just, to me, makes him more reliable and the MVP of this Zips basketball team. Before we go to break, I want to play this clip for you all one more time just because it's that good, and if you missed it the first time, you deserve to hear it the first time now even if you heard it the first time, you're going to hear it again, and it's great. And then right after that, we are going to head to our first break. When we come back, we're going to transition to our Zips women's basketball team. Unfortunately, they're not having as much success as the men's team right now. We'll talk about that. Then we'll answer all of your questions from our Twitter page, at WZIP Sports. Get those last-minute questions in right now, because when Marcus is on hot mic, who knows what's going to come up? It's always very entertaining. That happens next. But first, here's this clip once again. Hey, 
everyone, and welcome back to the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. You're tuning in to Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron. My name is Jake Murren, the host of your show today, and I'm joined by two guests on the other side of the board. First, Matt Bermuka. How we doing, everyone? And Marcus Anderson. What's up? What's up? What's up? Marcus, I love the energy you bring to Sports Power Talk, man. It's great. And you can bet that he'll bring the energy to Hot Mike here in just a matter of moments. He's always incredibly entertaining during that segment. Uh, But unfortunately, we do have to talk about our Zips women's basketball team. Usually I say fortunately because this team has had a great amount of success this season. But this past week, not much success to be found. Uh, On Wednesday, let's talk about the Kent State game. The men's team... Got the win over their rivals. The women's team did not. They lost 57-55. to 55. Any thoughts on this rough loss, really, for this Zips women's team that really can't catch a break so far? That was such a heartbreaking loss. Uh, you're going into half, down one, and then the third quarter happens, and you just go ice cold. Complete, like, just complete meltdown in the third. You only score seven points. You know, you go down 13, entering the fourth. And then the fourth... You know, you get white hot, and you you, uh, you outscore them by 11, but it's just not enough at the very end. We let that one get away. That third quarter just goes a little bit better. One, Two more field goals go in in that third quarter. We're talking about sweeping Kent State this week, but just a really unfortunate scenario. Yeah, that third quarter was really, really tough to watch, Matt, and they outscored us 19-7 to in the third quarter, like you said. Also, the Zips had seven turnovers in that quarter alone. Yeah. Akron committed 18 total turnovers in the game, just reckless with the basketball. You mentioned the fourth quarter. We were hot, but not hot enough to really get the job done. And the the Zips went 12 for 18 on free throws. Of course, they lost by two points. Yeah, That's definitely something to harp on as well. Uh, Marcus, what do you think about <clears throat> this game? Yeah, this is one of those games where... You look at you look back at the little things, especially especially the free throws. I think the free throws really killed them, and like like Matt said, they really outscored the Golden Flashes in the fourth. I mean, they got their twenty five to just their fourteen. It's just that you look. They was playing. They played great defensively, but it's just you just look back at those little things, pretty much. And there's a surprising thing. Is that Rachel Martindale did not take one single three point attempt, and which was very surprising, very surprising to see. Yeah, especially when you think about players that fouled out and Dominique Camp and Lane Farrell. If those if those women are out of the game, you would certainly expect a, a player like Rachel Martindale to step up yeah. and you know at least take more shots, like you're like you're referencing there, Marcus. One thing I want to talk about and. You'll hear from head coach Melissa Jackson here in a matter of moments about this game. But one thing I want to talk about as it regards to in regards to this game against Kent State is the crowd. According to ESPN, 13% capacity in the jar for this game. There were about 706 people. Compare that to the 5,800 yeah. people in the jar for the men's game against Kent State. It just didn't feel like a big game like just yeah. something about it of course the zips men's game we didn't even have to say jam the jar that the jar was going right. to be completely full but this women's game i kind of had the same perception like we don't even have to say go to the jar because the jar is going to be full it's kent state it's akron yeah it's going to be full it's a shame 13 <laughs> capacity a shame. like yeah, that's, am i missing something here it's a shame 
I don't I don't know, man. That's just it's really unfortunate. And that game, it was another really close game. We've had two really exciting rivalry games in the same week. And like I was talking with some people just in my classes and everything, like uh Thursday and Friday, they didn't know that the women's team was even playing Kent on Wednesday. And I think that goes on like yeah, that's kind of like all of like it's on us is you know the school's media that's on us as fans of this team. We really need to get the message out because the women's team deserves just as big of a crowd for a Kent State game at home than what than seven hundred people. That's th- you know thirteen percent capacity. That's unacceptable for a rivalry yeah. game. We're fourteen and seven on the year. I know like it kind of seems like doom and gloom because we're on a bit of a rough stretch, but like. That game was very meaningful, and to just have nobody attend, not really market the game well at all, I think we all kind of have to be better on that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not only just this game. It's been like that all season long for all this game, especially a couple weeks ago, their big game against Bowling Green. I mean, that was a big game. That was like almost game of the week pretty much. And then the same thing is I saw way more Bowling Green fans over there than Akron fans. It, it's just shameful. Any Pop-Tart signs in that contest? No, it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> just a bunch of orange, hear. that's all. That's good to hear. No, on a serious note, though, I don't know why these women's games just aren't getting the attention and the crowd that they deserve. And you mentioned, Matt, they are in a tough stretch right now, but this is the same team at the beginning of the season that was setting team records. Yeah, it was. Based on their, their own team record, they were setting records for the program yeah this is a team that we have been excited to talk about every single sunday on sports power talk not so much today because of the the losing streak but i just don't understand why we can't get people to the jar for this rivalry game against kent state but you see the crowd that showed up on friday and i know it's women's basketball it might not be seen as as exciting to some people but it's still akron it's still kent state and they were both, I think, tied for fourth yeah, well, in the yeah. conference. The at MAC the time. is just loaded right now. Okay, both Akron and Kent are fourteen and seven, but yeah. the top two teams in the MAC have 20, 20 wins and nineteen wins, and third place has seventeen. Like the MAC in the women's side is just absolutely loaded. Like there's in any other conference, if you are fourteen and seven, you should really be a top four seed. But it's just it, it's kind of just. Uh, the scenario in which we're in right now. And let me ask you guys this question. I mean, how much did the atmosphere, the environment, and the crowd play into the men's win against Kent State on yeah. Friday? Oh, oh so no. much. Oh, they were, so much. they were feeling I mean, like, even, like, they were acknowledging on social media. I know, like, uh, uh, Castaneda, his post-game, uh, uh, his uh, Instagram post after the game, he posted, y'all are the real MVPs, and, like, he tagged the AK Rowdies and all them, because during the game, we were, calling like, chanting MVP while, like, he's actively trying to call... Uh, you know the plays and everything. You know, the, the women deserve that too. I like R- Reagan Bass needs some applause. Everyone on that team needs definitely. some applause. We we gotta we we gotta increase the numbers for yeah, those games. Before I thought that like, home court advantage doesn't matter at all. It's all about what's on the court, but it actually does. The fans do take a part in wins as well. Oh, very much so. Yeah, and where I was going with that, if the environment is such a big factor in the men's game. And then the women's game, you look at it, we lose by two with 700 people in the building. Yeah. I mean, you you question if more people showed up, the environment was did not had to be the same as it was against the, or in the men's game, but maybe half the I mean, size. Like, like even if like, if you get 1500 to 2000 people, exactly. there, that's still enough to pack the lower bowl and you can still get 
just a completely different experience just energy-wise in the arena. Yeah, I completely agree with you guys. It was just very unfortunate seeing that stat on ESPN.com. Without further ado, though, I did promise it. Here is head coach Melissa Jackson on the loss to Kent State. I'm really disappointed in our group tonight um, but by the way we came out. Uh, you know, Kent State rivalry games, it's you got to leave it all out there. And um, I don't think we did that tonight. I am very proud of that group that ended the game um, and fought. And that's what I told them. I'm like, we're only down 13, and we needed to just chip away. And it was not within reach. And uh, those kids did. They fought and they clawed. But there were multiple times in this game where we have to be tougher. We got to get loose balls. Um, and we didn't do that tonight. And, and more so, we got to be smarter. Um, you know, with Dominique Fallon, Fallon out, Lane Fallon out, um, we have to be a smarter team. One of those players that did fight back and claw their way back into this game. Quick shout-out to Alexis Stewart off the bench, 12 points, 3-for-5 from three-point range. Her shot-making in the fourth quarter kept the zips in this game late. But just a very defeated head coach, Melissa Jackson, after that game, saying she's very disappointed. And, you know, that's that one yeah. word if you're a player yeah. on that roster you oh, just yeah, do not want to hear from your head coach like she, disappointed yeah. in the effort. She sound like that like that that hurt her. Yeah. yeah and definitely. did you like again, that's a good thing to come from a coach because it really shows they care about the program, they care about the university and they care about the sanctity of that rivalry. So, you know, all respect to the world to coach Jackson, uh but you know, I really wish the outcome went our way uh just for, you know, her sake alone. Yeah, I've, she sound distraught. Yeah, I felt so much pain in her voice just in the tone of her voice, but yeah, I I felt her pain. Yeah, it's yeah, they do. They do gotta be a smart team, pretty much. But they hang in there. They got the talent for it. They got all it takes to get back into this one. And even if they don't come out at the top spot, this is just it's not a conference play to go. And this is just a regular season. You'll get just wait their turn every time. You'll get them. Yeah, and while the sentiment is very low about this Zips women's team right now, we talked about it with the men's team in the MAC tournament. All that really matters is the momentum going into that tournament. And this women's team has eight games left to get back on track, build some momentum, maybe even climb the standings in the Mid-American Conference and make a run in Cleveland, which I think we all know that this Zips women's team is capable of making. Of course, right now, though, not the greatest of games in this stretch. Unfortunately, we do have to talk about this game as well, one that happened yesterday afternoon at Western Michigan. We lost 76 to 71 to a now 10 and 11 team a game that going into it I think a lot of people were confident in a game that going into it everybody thought the Zips team should have and should have easily won unfortunately doesn't go our way uh what'd you guys think of this game against the Broncos yeah that one uh just let me know if you've heard this one before we let that we let that game slip away yeah. we were up eight and a half we were up two going into the fourth I you know I think the real problem there was we only had two players in double figures. Uh, Rachel Martindale and Reagan Bass each had twenty three. Uh, those were our only two players in double figures. That's that's a problem right there. You can't really win a team sport with just two people uh, contributing a bulk of the offense. Yeah, it's just um, this was surprisingly a bad defensive performance. We usually the 
uh, the best team, the best defensive team in the MAC. We outscored them for the first two quarters, and it's one another one of those games where we're inches away. You know, the little things killed us, and just allowing uh, Taylor Williams at twenty nine points and another one of their players at twenty five points. It's just. And with Rachel Martindale, uh, kudos to her. I mean, 23 points at Ring of yeah. Bass, 23 points as well. I just think we just we need to turn it up a notch, you know. It's just the little things. It's something we need to take us to another level. I mean, we got a team. We got talent. We got all it takes. We got the bench. We got all it takes to take this conference. It's just, I don't know. We got to turn it up a notch. Yeah, and I can only imagine how... Head coach Melissa Jackson felt after that loss and what she said to her team in the locker room after that game against Western Michigan yesterday. You mentioned Rachel Martindale. Incredible game out of her. 23 points. Not expecting that at all. 7 for 8 from 3-point range. Absolutely lighting it up from the field. And then the Broncos. You mentioned it too, Marcus. The Zips defense is usually so strong. And the part of this team that makes them dangerous in this conference, Taylor Williams scored 29 on us. She usually averages 14.5 points per game. And then Hannah Spitzley scored 25 points, and she usually averages 8 points per game. So you look at that, and that's right there. You let two women on the Western Michigan Broncos beat you. That's what it really came down to. As a team, they shot the ball over 50% from the field, and they scored 76 points. The Zips could not keep up. They scored 71. A tough loss there for the Akron Zips, but let's look ahead, see how they can maybe pick up some momentum as they go on. Let's talk about their game on Wednesday. Unfortunately, on the road, they have a tough stretch right now against Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois has lost six of their last eight games. So a game that you think we can win, but we also thought that against Western Michigan. So, guys, what do you think about the matchup against the Huskies? Oh, this is a game you have to win. Uh, Northern Illinois is has been awful since conference play has started. Uh, you know, you're on a bit of a skid right now. If you want to have any sort of chance of getting a decent seat in the MAC tournament, you have to win uh, against Northern Illinois. <coughs> Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, this should be a definite confidence booster. It's, at the same time, it seems like both the men's and women's have really traded places. You know, early in the season, the women's was hot, and the men's was, like, slipping, struggling, trying to find their place, trying to find their identity. And then you got later on in the season, mid, come mid-season, the men's are catching hot. They're catching fire, and then the women's are starting to lose their groove. But they'll get back to it. This should be a Definite confidence booster. They'll take this one and get back to it. A bounce back win. Yeah, that's a great point about how the men's and women's team have kind of <laughs> flipped scripts here. I haven't thought about that. That's a good point to make there, Marcus. But looking at this matchup against NIU, uh, Northern Illinois, they did snap a five-game losing streak with a 72-62 to win over Buffalo yesterday. And the Huskies forced 17 turnovers in that game, and the Zips have had trouble were t- were when turning the ball over recently in games. So that's something to look out for as well. I think if the Zips can just take care of the basketball in this game against Northern Illinois, it should be a winnable game. And then on Saturday, next Saturday, Ball State comes to Akron at the jar, I have this in the outline, just revenge or blowout, because Akron, they lost to Ball State on the road on January 25th, 89-66. to Ball State is tied for first in the MAC right now. Can we just try and be competitive at home? What's the expectation going into this game? You know, I'm expecting a much closer game. And like when you look at the actual splits from the first matchup, it was very even in terms of just volume from each team. Uh, 
sorry, I have it pulled up. We took 59 uh, shots from the field. They took 60. We took 27 threes. They took 21. And each team shot the same from the foul line. It's just Ball State got absolutely white hot. And they were making everything. That second quarter specifically is where they really just uh, pulled away and didn't really look back. There's not really anything you can do when the other team's just making absolutely everything. Oh yeah, they got a lot of time to to learn from these two losses, and I'm I'm hopefully, I bet you they make a lot of adjustments right now on how to take down this top this top tier team in the MAC, and I think they could do it. It's it's revenge time. I mean, you gotta get this win. It's got it's got to. Avengers just need it at this point. Do you guys see Akron pulling off the upset here? You know, at home we have we have a very good home record. Yeah. I think it's certainly right. possible. I'm not really going to put too much stock into this game for the rest of the season. I mean, uh, we have we have two games left of teams that are ranked above us in the MAC. Of our last eight, Ball State and Kent State are the only teams that are ranked ahead of us. So every every game from here on out is winnable. Yeah. If, so yeah, I, 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 this game might be one of the ones where you slip up, but I'm. We still have a great opportunity. Yeah, if they jump on them early and keep keep their foot on the gas, and like Coach Jackson said, I, it's the little things, you know, a dive for loose balls, the hustle. It's the little things that count, and and turn it up a notch, pretty much. So if we jump on them early, keep our foot on the gas, and we get this upset, we could pull off. We I mean, got all it takes, pretty much. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Just to me, I think this is a game where you just have to try and be competitive with one of the top teams in the conference right now. And, Matt, you mentioned the strength of schedule down the stretch for the women's team. Mm-hmm. I think this is an okay game to drop. Of course, you yeah. have to win uh, you have this to win, week as well. You have to win the <laughs> other six that yeah. are against teams below you. Yeah, you have, to, you have to beat Northern Illinois this week. You can afford to drop to Ball State, but then the rest of the games this season – Every single game matters. And against Kent State, we were competitive with them. We only mm-hmm. lost to two or lost by two at home to the Electric Chickens down the road. And then we're going to go visit them and their turf. I think these are winnable games down the stretch. But Ball State, let's just try and be competitive, not let the entire momentum that we don't really even have right now, maybe build some against Northern Illinois, but don't let any momentum from that potential win just die by losing to Ball State at home because that would be a complete killer here at the end of the regular season for the women's team. That's going to do it for our breakdown of this women's team right now. And as we do every single week on Sports Power Talk, it's time for us to turn to our Twitter page at WZIP Sports and answer your questions that you left for us in Hot Mike. Let's get right to the first question. Let's go to Aaliyah Craig as she asks, how do you feel about Kyrie Irving possibly reuniting with LeBron in L.A.? Oh, the Lakers are going to find a way to mess this trade up. I, I don't expect him to go <clears throat> anywhere. Interesting. Um, I mean, they had beef before. I mean, prior, <laughs> before leaving Cleveland. Just, but it'll be exciting to watch, though. It'll be exciting. To, I like to see how that works out. Yeah, we're going to talk about Kyrie extensively at the top of the hour when we go on to talk about the NBA and all those headlines. But real quick, as it regards Kyrie Irving, I just don't... Yeah. I personally don't see him going anywhere either, Matt. Yeah. But in L.A., I would... 
enjoy watching him alongside LeBron James again. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. Well, look, they put all the Lakers games on prime time, and we are kind of forced to watch them, even though they're the tenth seed currently. So putting Kyrie on that seed would make would make those games a little more tolerable. Yeah, and I've said for a long time on these airwaves that even back in the day when the Cavs were making those finals appearances with LeBron James and with Kyrie Irving, that personally. I was a bigger fan of Kyrie Irving than I was in LeBron James. I just Why? really enjoyed I really enjoyed watching Kyrie Irving. I really enjoyed his style of play. Fair enough. Of course, until then, things have happened in his life. He's done many things. He's always in the headlines, usually not for good reasons. No. Mm-hmm. And I have my fandom for Kyrie Irving no longer exists. But in terms of <clears throat> his play on a basketball court, it is very entertaining, and I would like to see that pairing once again with LeBron James. So leave that there. Of course, we'll bring it back at the top of the hour, as I mentioned, talking about NBA headlines. But we move on to the next question in Hot Mike. This one from Isabel, our entertainment director here at WZIP Sports. And shout out to the entertainment department up here doing a lot of work. Uh, tune in to them at 1 o'clock for Entertainment Rebooted. Also check them out on all podcast platforms. Matt, I believe you have a, a Bachelor series going, right? Yes, me and Logan Congrove, our fellow uh, sports department guys, are going over to the entertainment side for that. Uh, we we will have a new episode out early in the week. You're doing an episode two and episode three recap. So we're trying all these new formats. It's going to be great. On The Bachelor. Yes. One of the worst shows of all time. It's only bad if you look at it from a really literal perspective. <laughs> if you think of it like high school theater, it's really funny. What do you think about batch, uh, about the show The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, Marcus? Uh, it, it's pathetic. Oh, okay, need, there we go. Why do you need a TV show to try to get a date? I mean, <laughs> that's just pathetic. You're just being pathetic, man. <laughs> yeah, look, I, it's not, not a bad point. It's not my life that, I have to, that I'm have to putting out on the internet for everyone to see. So Yeah, nor is it content I would ever like to consume. But, hey, there's a place for it. And, again, if you are a Bachelor fan, go check out Entertainment Rebooted. Yeah, watch watch, watch this podcast. podcast Jake and Marcus just completely just made fun of. Make, make sure you listen to that. No, I'm making fun of the show. Okay. The podcast. Okay. I even okay. listen to the podcast. Very entertaining. All right. You and Logan Congro are making cat noises. Yes, into we a made animal noises. Yes. I mean, so. this, this podcast is very entertaining. The show. Not so much. Uh, I'm checking right. out the podcast. Right. Yeah, okay. there you go. Okay. So, see, see, we're we're all we're all lifting each other up here. Yeah, look at that. Come on, look at that. Anyways, Isabel's question though went off on a little tangent oh, yeah. there. Her question: If you had to coach a sport, what sport would you coach and why? Uh, baseball, because I wouldn't actually have to know anything about the sport. I could just chew bubble gum, uh, wear a hoodie, and just tap on my arm which uh, which handed pitcher I wanted to bring out of the bullpen. Yeah, I would say baseball. I would say that's the sport I'll be less stressful in. I like to keep my blood pressure and no- I like to keep my blood blood pressure normal. I have too much of bad temper. I'm afraid I might <laughs> yeah pull a Latrell spree roll and like choke out one of the revs. It's just <laughs> it's too much for me. That escalated I'm not sh- very quickly. It's too much for me. It's too much for me. <laughs> It'll be too much for I'm me. Spree. <laughs> we gotta make some bingo boards for SPT. This is awesome. Or even I'll pull off a Woody Hayes, you know. Oh I'll no! <laughs> try to fight one of the players, you know. <laughs> pull off a Woody Hayes, you know. <laughs> oh my god! Non frosted pop tarts and Latrell choking out refs. Well. Yeah. All on Sports Power Talk every single week, eleven to one. Uh, I agree with the guys. Baseball. I was originally going to go football just because there's a lot of money in it. 
but I agree with baseball. I mean, there's money in that as well. Less stress, longer season, chewing bubble gum in a dugout. Not a bad gig, right? Exactly. And look, Terry Francona, he's beloved. He's got a scooter. I mean, the Cleveland police that he does. went on this extensive right. search to find his scooter. Like, you're, if you're the Guardians manager, you're beloved in this town. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Jeff Longville is up next on Hot Mike. He asks, what is your guys' favorite and least favorite TV shows? Ooh. Oh, this is tough. I'll throw oh. my head. Uh, I got so many favorite TV shows. I can go first because I already – I kind of like ranking my shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So number one for me is Dexter. Absolutely love that show. Fair yeah, I've not seen right. it. Very it valid. did get worse, like as it went on, oh, as that, many shows okay. do. That's every show, right? Many shows do that, but for me, I mean, I was so locked into the story, and by the end, I was still very much entertained. The reboot, terrible, terrible. <laughs> but the actual show, Dexter, my favorite by far. My least favorite, I throw The Bachelor in there. Oh, I would throw Big Bang Theory in there. Fair enough. Hate those shows, but if you haven't watched Dexter, go check it out. Hey, you know, I'll give you my five favorite shows because I got HBO Max. I'm on air today. I watch Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Martin. Also watch Seinfeld. I've I watched so many shows. Like, I've been watching a different world. I've watched Family Matters. It's just also Sister Sister. I watch those old school shows. You know, it ain't nothing like those shows today. Pretty much, my least favorite is. Friends, I mean friends. That's oh, gotta be the yes. most. What? That's the yes. most overrated show yes. ever it's not made. Funny, nobody it's laughs not. at it. Wow. Same it thing. Same thing with Frasier and same thing with Nightcore. I don't know why you rebooting Nightcore. It's just you're <laughs> oh telling me I'm on air right now with two friends haters. Yes, friends, friends. is oh. not funny. I it's one of those shows I kept giving it a chance. Okay, I'm gonna wait for a laugh. I'm wait for something funny to happen. All of a sudden, like, it's nothing. Se- all of a sudden, it's season four, and you're like, when's yeah. this supposed to get good? I'm just watching really messy and toxic relationships thank repeat, you. repeatedly. The, Dude, the, I love friends. I mean, the, the only person... Okay, the only funny person on there is Phoebe. Jo- Phoebe, that's the what? only funny person She's on there. A, I actually think Phoebe's the worst character in the show. What? Joey? She is the funny Joey's part. hysterical. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, hey, how you doing? Like, I, that's a, not funny. Oh, come on, That is Marcus, not funny. Come on. How you doing? Like, that's... <laughs> that's not funny. It's, it's hysterical. Uh, I've you call Friends hysterical? I love the show. Oh, dude. I love the oh show. And I'll say this, too, and this, you guys will probably have something to say towards it, but whatever. I went to Florida last summer, went on vacation for a week. Okay. Did the Disney thing, did all that. One of my favorite parts of that vacation, of course, you know, you're on vacation, you can let loose, just sit back, relax, not have to worry about a lot of things in life. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite parts was staying up until 2, 3 a.m. in our living room and just turning on Nick at night and watching random episodes of Friends. It was fantastic. I could let loose and just watch a great TV show, stay up all night, and do that on vacation. That was one of my favorite parts. I think less of you now. That's all right. Okay. I mean, I do. Did you give your answers, Matt? I have not, no. No, I see, I really don't watch much TV, but I, I do love South Park. That oh, South absolute, Park. That's my absolute favorite Going show. down South Park, I'm going to have myself a time. <laughs> that is my absolute favorite show. Uh, there's, there's not really much. Like, if I don't like a show, I really don't watch it. Uh, I do have a list of shows that I have told myself, Matt, at some point in your life, you are going to watch these shows, and that is Modern Family and How Great. I Met Your Mother. Oh, oh yeah. Goodness. I love so How it's I like, Met Your and Mother. And it's like, I know I need to watch those because I watch those shows. Inter- like I-, I watch them uh, 
while they were still airing, but like very vaguely. Yeah. And I'm like, I know I would love those if I just sat down and started watching them, but I've never uh, carved out time for that. Right. Modern Family is a great show. How I Met Your Mother is probably my favorite sitcom. Though. Oh, yeah. I love I mean, that show. Fantastic. And that's kind of even like a ripoff of Friends a little bit. There's a lot of similarities between the but characters. Maybe, the, well, maybe more well done. Right? But Barney. one of them is funny. Yeah. The other one is Friends. Yeah. Barney. Very funny. And How I Met Your Mother. Uh, let's move on, though, with Hot Mike. Uh, next up, we have Banana Killer 15 He asks, win a Grammy in any category, in what category, or MVP of your choice in sport, and what sport would that be? We're sports people. I mean, I would think MVP across the board, but would you rather win a Grammy? Mm, that's tough, man. I don't I don't know. I really don't. Is, is Grammy for music or for acting? Grammy is music. That's for music. Yeah. I, I, I guess I'll take a Grammy. Over being an MVP in a sport? I would have a stadium tour and no brain damage. That's That was my thing. I, I talked uh, I would before get, yeah. the show with somebody about this, yeah. and I kind of said, less stress on your body, win a Grammy. I mean, like, that's I already, great. I've, I've already torn my ACL not playing a sport, so yeah, I mean, I don't wanna, I'm not risking yeah. any further yes, injury. I'm safe with you guys. I'd rather oh. wear the Grammy for best rap album. It's, yeah. <laughs> all right, not where I thought that was going to go, but... All of us are in agreement. We're going to go with the Grammy over an MVP in a sport. Uh, Kelly Craig, she asked, who will win MVP at the NFL Honors? Oh, Patrick Mahomes. I agree. If, if it's me, they'll give it to Patrick Mahomes. But if it was me, I'll say, honestly, the real MVP is Justin Jefferson. Okay. Justin okay. Jefferson. Yeah, I don't hate that pick. Right. I do think it goes to Patrick Mahomes, though. Uh, last two questions. Jake Murnigot, got to love him. Do you think you could beat up Dylan Brooks? No. He is 6'2". No, he's like 6'4". He is in the NBA. I am 5'7". Like, I could do what these professional athletes do. Like, I yeah. will never have that part of me, hopefully ever. Uh, so, no, if, if I were to fight Dylan Brooks, I would probably be admitted to a hospital shortly after. Yeah, great point. I'd probably give it a shot. <laughs> I'd probably give it a shot. <laughs> I'm not going to let it. I'll try it. <laughs> I mean, I, I ain't going to call like no punk, you know. I mean, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> oh, goodness, guys. Hot Mike with Marcus Anderson is like no other. Even Matt, you're uh, contributing very well right now, fun, too. Man. I mean, he wasn't, about, he wasn't about that life with Shannon Sharp. <laughs> Shannon Sharp's like a I six know, five. I know. Shannon Sharp still benches 315. Yeah, man. he does. He does. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that incident here again very, very soon when we talk about the NBA. Last question in Hot Mike, Jake Mernigo. Why is Kent State so trash? I don't know, man. Have you seen just anything about that university? They're, they're, mm-hmm. just, they're just bad. They don't give out financial aid, but they can't really do anything well. Um, I'd say they have no class, pretty much. <laughs> no yeah, class. Because they don't go to their classes. Kent Reed, mm-hmm. Kent Wright, Kent, Kent State. State, and Kent beat Akron. They oh, really yeah. can't. They really can't. They, they can try all they want. Can't do anything. Yeah, they really can. That'll do it for Hot Mike as we do every single week here on Sports Power Talk. We answer all of your questions on our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. Again, we do it every week. So if you want to get involved in this very entertaining segment every single Sunday from 11 to 1, don't forget we post every single Friday around noon, around 1230, so you can get your questions in from there. Let's you digest the sports week, if you will. 
and then drop all of your questions when you're ready for us at WZIP Sports. We'll leave that there. When we come back from break, NBA headlines, Cleveland Cavaliers, Donovan Mitchell's ejection, and an around-the-root question that I'm really looking forward to as it regards this Cleveland Cavaliers team. All that and more coming up next on WZIP. Welcome in to the second hour of today's Sports Power Talk. Of course, live from the University of Akron, the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. My name is Jake Murren, the host of your show. I'm also joined alongside by Matt Bermuka. I think Dylan Brooks could beat me up. Mm-hmm. I agree, Matt. Yeah. I agree. But this guy to my right, he <laughs> thinks he can take Dylan Brooks. It's Mark Sanders. I, I, I say I'll... I'll... I'll say I'll I'll beat him. I'll say I'll take him. I'm not going to run away, you know. <laughs> he just said, if he, if he wants to fight me, I'll say yes. I don't know how to call, but I'm not saying no. You, how much would you pay to watch that, Matt? How much would I pay? Yeah. Put Marcus Anderson in a ring with, with Dylan, Dylan Brooks. Brooks. <laughs> Main event. Main Honestly, I would probably throw a hundred. Wow! I I wanted to see that man. I, For honestly, a college student, a hundred bucks. Oh yeah, dude! Like I mean, I would love to see that. I would love to see just my my, my mind's racing of all. Of <laughs> you hear that, Marcus? <laughs> the box office is going to go off for you, man. Oh, dude, yeah, I'd man. Pay $100 to see hey, I get paid, and if I do go out in the first round, hey, I get to say, hey, I went out like a man. All right, I went out like a man. Oh, it's just like that one Mario episode where Martin goes toe to toe with Tommy the Hitman Hearns. <laughs> <laughs> you should see that episode. <laughs> uh, more of a man than Matt and I are. You're willing to take him on. Oh, I appreciate that. That's amazing. We'll get into that storyline here very shortly, but first. The biggest headline in the NBA right now is Kyrie Irving as he requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. Not surprising there. The trade deadline is this this Thursday, and he's set to become a free agent this offseason. The Nets are going to bench him until Thursday's deadline, and if no deal is made, then Kyrie might even sit out the rest of the season. First off, I mean, are we even surprised by this news, guys? Really? I was caught off guard, but when I saw it said Kyrie Irving, I was like, okay, that makes sense without even reading the rest of the headline. Yeah. I mean, up to this point, he's been quiet this whole season. I mean, not with his play, but it's just like with that. With the outsiders, is just he's been quiet, and then this happens. It, what you what you know? It's Kyrie Irving. He got mm-hmm. suspended for a game for some comments. I don't think he's really been quiet. Mm-hmm. I, suspended he, for more than a game. I th- oh, how many games was it? Because he was suspended until he got he went through like the process. Yeah. with the yeah. NBA, and, yeah. and until that was done, I think he missed. I don't know. I want to say maybe two weeks worth of games. Okay, somewhere around that. Yeah, I but knew it was. Yeah, he's he's. Uh, he he's been a little bit of a, a pain in the you know what for the next yeah year. airhead I'll say yeah. airhead. <laughs> I wasn't really surprised by this. We knew he wanted off the Nets last off season. The Nets have been a dumpster fire ever since acquiring all stars in their franchise. Yes, at least recently. And then Kyrie, he's left every single team he's played for in his career on bad terms. Asking you guys though, what team does he play for this time next week, next Sunday? SBT. What uniform is Kyrie Irving wearing? What team is he representing? He is wearing a Brooklyn Nets uniform because it is very hard to orchestrate 
a star, like just an all-star caliber player trade on a week's notice. This is a very complicated. Uh, this is a very complicated transaction, and you can't really just drop this on them unexpectedly. Uh, a UPS uniform, I'll say. Okay. <laughs> so, I guess, so I guess no trade, and he's boycotting. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I don't know who would want to trade for him. You know, it's just he's he's driving himself out, out into in the unemployment. <laughs> he's yeah. gonna have a really really chaotic podcast in like fifteen years. He will be the Alex Jones of basketball podcasts. <laughs> I'm kind of excited for it. I could see it. I, I could see I it. would love to see Kyrie's info wars of basketball. Yeah. I agree with you guys, though. I think he doesn't go anywhere. Not necessarily a UPS driver. I don't see him delivering packages <laughs> to my house. I do see him staying at Brooklyn Net, though. And as reports are saying, he might not actually play. He might not be on the floor for the Nets this season, or at least what's left of this season. Of course, being a free agent this offseason, off season, we'll see where he signs after this year, but I don't think a trade gets made for Kyrie. I wouldn't be surprised if one does happen, but I just don't think it's going to. I mean, there's been so much controversy around this Brooklyn Nets team for the past, what, five years or so? I mean, and nothing's really happened because of it. I mean, James Harden, of course, that move was made, but even KD has won it out at times. I just don't see that. He still has an active trade request. Like, Kevin Durant still is playing with a trade request submitted. Let's talk about KD. I mean, how does this affect Kevin Durant and the Nets and his situation with that organization? Well, KD didn't know Kyrie put in a trade request until, like, the news broke. Like, uh, what Woj tweeted is that this caught everybody by surprise. Uh, So, I mean, I can't imagine Kevin Durant's all that thrilled. Uh, You know, he already wants out. I kind of assume this offseason he's really going to try to force Brooklyn to move him. Yeah, I don't think it affects KD. I mean, it affects the team. You know, for me, they're out, the way they've been playing this season, uh, playing lights out basketball. I thought I could see him as a contender, Gary, make possibly make the going very far. But with this happening, but I still think KD, he's still gonna be at MVP level. He's look like the KD of old, the KD I remember watching at OK City. But with the team, I thought it was gonna go very far. But I don't think so no longer. Yeah, the Nets championship odds on Caesar Sportsbook went from plus 600 to plus 1400 on Saturday morning. And after the news broke, in as it pertains to Kevin Durant, he's already had turmoil with his relationship with the Nets. And I think he could very well rethink his future with the organization this offseason. I agree with you, Matt, on that end as well. We'll see what happens with Kyrie Irving. Does he become a Laker? Does he become a son, a Maverick? Those are the teams in the race for him, it seems like. Ultimately, we all agree that he's not going to go anywhere and a deal won't be done. It'll be very interesting to talk about that next Sunday and really see where he goes from here. Another NBA headline, and as this time of year every single year with the nba season there's all-star starters there's all-star reserves and then everybody complains about all-star snubs so we're about to do the same thing even though there's so many people in this league that i think can make an argument for being an all-star if you don't make it you don't make it i Mm -hmm. i really don't agree with teams and players going out there and saying you know this player has these stats this player has these stats why aren't they an all-star We'll, we'll get into it, though. So the East starters and the West starters are already determined. We talked about that last week. But the East reserves, 
just listing them off here, they're Bam Adebayo, Jalen Brown, DeMar DeRozan, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Halliburton, Drew Holiday, and Julius Randle. And your Western Conference reserves are Paul George, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Jaron Jackson Jr., Damian Lillard, Larry Markkinen, John Morant, and DeMontis Sabonis. With those reserves being said, I asked us all to come up with a list of players that you think deserve to be in, potentially over other guys, but the top five snubs in order. We'll start from five, work our way up to the biggest snub who potentially deserved to be an all-star, potentially didn't deserve to be an all-star. But we'll start at number five. Mark, so I'll go to you first. Who deserved to be an all-star, but not as much as the guys at one through four on your list? I'll say um, I'll say um, De'Aaron Fox, pretty much. I mean, only because... Only because I, I'm agree with everybody who made it to the All Star game except Jaron Jackson for the West, so he's he would guy in there if there wasn't so much competition in the West. Was so many good guards in the West. Sure, number five for Matt. Yeah, this is my only player that I have from the Western Conference that I believe was snub, and uh, that's Anthony Edwards. He did have a rough start to the year, but if you look at his last thirty-three games, he's averaging twenty-four, six, and five, and he's pulled Minnesota from the eleven seed to almost out of the play-in tournament. Uh, so, you know, I know it's a collective award up until about this way through the season, but just his last stretch, he's playing at an All-Star level. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Anthony Edwards is actually my fourth snub. Mm. Number five for me is Jalen Brunson of the New York Knicks. He's had a great year, 22.8 points per game, shooting the ball well as well, doing a lot of things for the Knicks. I know the Knicks aren't necessarily high in the Eastern Conference uh, standings, but I do think he is an all-star caliber type player. I have him at number five. Number four, Anthony Edwards. Who's your guys' number four, though? My number four, I have Ice Trey Young. He's the only player in the league averaging 27 and 9 assists. Only player. I know Atlanta's, uh, they're just a game above 500 right now, but I mean, it is by no fault of Trey Young's. Oh, yeah, I would say Anthony Davis, you know. I mean, it's not vintage Anthony Davis from the New Orleans Pelicans, but it's been a productive Anthony Davis, even though the Lakers been losing. and But Anthony Davis, he's been on his game. He's been on his end game. If there was... If the NBA had an award for a comeback player of the year, it will be Anthony Davis as of right now. Yeah, I think injuries probably hindered his voting process here in the All-Star game, but I don't have Anthony Davis on my list. Uh, Number three for me is James Harden Mm -hmm. of the Philadelphia 76ers. I definitely believe that he deserved a spot in this All-Star game. Uh, Number three for you guys, though, Marcus, I'll go to you first. Oh, I'll say Trey Young, definitely. I'll say Trey Young. And it's like... Cause Drew Holiday, how that did Drew Holiday? Drew, if you okay, I'm gonna spoil it. All of my other picks are Eastern Conference guards. I how did Drew Holiday? <laughs> how did Drew Holiday make an All Star team? Oh no! <laughs> so Trey oh. Young is your number three. Matt, who's your number three? Good old Darius Garland. Really? Averaging 20 and 8. And then, you know, right after he got the word he didn't make the All Star team, he puts up 30 and 11, no, 32 and 11 on Memphis. He took that one personal. So I think Darius is going to play out of his mind the rest of the year. I actually don't have Darius Garland on my list. I think he might be on a 6 through 10 list. Be a homer, Jake. Be a homer. What can I say? I'm playing it straight down the line here for these All Star snubs. Excuse me, number two, uh, Matt, I'll go right back to you for your second all-star snub on your list. Uh, Jimmy Butler. He's averaging 22-5. Oh, he leads the I'm sorry, he leads the league in steals. Miami's 
coming alive now. I mean, I, I, I don't see how Jimmy Butler missed the all-star team. I intentionally left him off my list. Okay. That was my kind of homerism there. Ah. Uh, oh, yeah, Darius Garland is my number two. I mean, is, he really has elevated his play. You know, he, before he used to be just a slasher, a scorer. Now he's became a real point guard, all-around point guard. He may not – I mean – a decent defender and also a great facilitator. I mean, he became a real point guard this season. Number two on my list is Trey Young, for all the reasons you guys mentioned. Number one, the biggest all-star snub for this year's all-star game. What do you guys think? James Harden. Jalen Bronson. That's my number one all-star snub. That's my number five. My number one is actually your number five, Marcus. I have Darren Fox. I really think he deserves a spot in this all-star game. And Great list from all three of us. Do we are we making arguments here? I mean, I know the Drew Holiday one doesn't make much sense, but at the end of the day, are we okay with the reserves? No, I, I, I also don't like Jared Jackson Jr. Being okay, on. I th- just I, two. I just I think the moral of the story is there are a lot of elite guards than there are elite three through fives in the league. So there's going to be a lot of snubs for the next few seasons, and they're all pretty much going to be uh, point-and-shooting guards. Yeah. Yeah. And there's going to be alternatives. You know, people are the, either the starters or the reserves. There's going to be injuries. Yeah. There's going to be people not playing where some of these snubs we've talked about are probably ending, are going to end up playing in the NBA All-Star Game, and you're going to want to tune in to our show next Sunday, the day of the NBA All-Star Game where the draft takes place, the game takes place, all in the same day. Marcus, I believe you were on this show with me a year ago with Jeff Longville, and I was the judge, and I made you guys draft your teams. (laughs) Very entertaining. It's one of my favorite things to do every single year on Sports Power Talk. You're not going to want to miss that as the two people on the show, they draft their NBA All-Star team. Let's go on, though, and let's talk about the Cavs in their week in review. Not much to talk about here. Definitely, certainly don't want to talk about their loss to the Miami Heat earlier this week. But of course, we have to talk about that Grizzlies game on Thursday where they won 128-113. to 113. And let's just cut right to the chase here. The Donovan Mitchell ejection where Dylan Brooks hit him in an area where no man wants to get hit. Mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell retaliated, threw the ball at Brooks. They got into a scuffle. That's your little breakdown. The NBA's ruling. Of course, both players were ejected. Dylan Brooks was suspended one game. Donovan Mitchell was fined $20,000. What did you guys make of the incident? And was the NBA's decision justified here? I'm so happy for Donovan Mitchell. I think Dylan Brooks is probably the most universally hated player in the league amongst the players. And just him, uh, you know, actually... Uh, retaliating to uh, you know Dylan Brooks, who's constantly running his mouth. I think that earned him a lot of respect amongst his peers, and I would not be surprised if he got a couple of uh, Venmos from like Clay Thompson. Uh, say, hey, uh, let me cover your fine. Thank you. Yeah, Dylan really was trying to act slick. Like he he, it was an accident. Like I didn't mean to do that, but we know what you was you, doing. You don't accidentally. <laughs> you don't accidentally do that on purpose. Like that doesn't happen on accident. <laughs> That's all I can yeah. say. I don't know. I I said this before the show started to you guys, and you guys said some things back. I just think this whole situation was kind of overdone. Like I don't think it was as intentional. 
as you guys and other people are making it out to be. Dude. Certainly, I think he knew what he was doing, but you, you I, don't, don't, I don't know. You don't get hit in the nether regions on accident. Fair, I'm sorry, yeah. like, that's not something that happens deliberately. Like, or, sorry, accidentally. That's something that does happen deliberately. Like, he, he knew what he... Dylan Brooks knew what he was doing. He knew where Donovan was, and he's like, well, if I just flop like this... You know he's he's gonna have some he's he's gonna feel hurt for a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> I hey. mean, it, it's hard to argue my point. I just don't think it was all that and more. Of course, he did retaliate. I thought him throwing the basketball right at him was pretty funny. That was of awesome. course that's what yeah, the I mean, NBA fined him for. Yeah. Ultimately, was the the twenty k, which for Donovan Mitchell means nothing really yeah. if you think about it. Yeah, I mean he's a good player, but he's starting to become a thirty player. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and. At the end of the day, it, it created for entertaining post-game pressers from JB and from Donovan Mitchell. Most words having to be censored in yes. any post-game mm. press conference I've heard, at least. JB saying, we don't start blank. Stuff. We don't run from Stuff. blank. We'll, we'll use the word it. Yes. How about that? We don't start it. We don't run from it. Yes. Yeah. You, you probably know what we're saying. But JB, great line there. Very legendary line there from our head coach. And then Donovan Mitchell went off on Dylan Brooks after the game as well. But the game itself, the Cavaliers did respond very well after the incident went down. You mentioned Darius Garland's performance in this game that earlier on. But what do you guys think about the 128-113 to win over a very tough Grizzlies game in the West? Very capitalizing win. A very a statement win. I would say a statement win. Is we still got a lot of regular season to go. But this is over... Uh, an NBA Finals contender, pretty much. Not just a Western Conference contender, but an NBA Finals contender. And then you kind of you kind of shut down John Moran, kind of contained him to a, a very minimum game, a very minimum best of his performance, pretty much. And and it, it was a it was a statement win, pretty much. Yeah, I think this was a dominant performance by several players. Darius had 32 and 11. Evan Mobley had 17 and 13. Yeah, he had a double-double in the first half. Mobley was uh, he, he was on fire that first half. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was having a rough night, really, but even after he got ejected, you still had people step up and play. Ricky Rubio had 13 off the bench. Mm-hmm. Jetty Osman, just everything he shot in the second half went down. Jetty had 21 off the bench. Just a really well-rounded, all-around performance. And I think the biggest part is just everyone, like, Okoro had 12 too, but, like, everyone was, the uh, the scuffle really energized everyone. I th- Like, I think after that, it was kind of like, th- that was a different Cavs team that I haven't really seen. That was an angry Cavs team, and that was a Cavs team that I think kind of realized that, we have to start being a lot more physical and just being able to respond. And I think that should be a very uh, season-changing win uh, from Friday night or Thursday night. They were just out there playing for one another after that scuffle went down. And you mentioned a lot of what I was going to say there, Matt. Jetty Osmond off the bench, 32 minutes, 21 points. Love to see it out of him. And then Ricky Rubio. Down the stretch, I mean, he scored 13 points. That's his season high in scoring so far for Rubio when he returned from his injury from last season. Four for nine shooting, but three for six from three-point range. And he made all of those three-point shots in a row Mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter. Love to see it. Really got Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse amped up. And really, that's what brought the game to an end. Sealed the win for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Let's look ahead, though, in their week 
of play. The Cavs are now 32-22 and and 5th in the Eastern Conference, but they do play five games in the next seven days with two back-to-backs. We have the Pacers today, so we'll start there. Pacers game, what do you guys think, and is this a game that you expect the Cavs to win? Indiana's sliding right now. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton's an all-star, but they are just out of the play-in currently. Uh, and, you know, you, you got lucky that Donovan's wasn't suspended for this game, so I think this is a game you should take. Uh, you know, it's in Indiana, but, I mean, that really isn't much <clears throat> of a rough travel by any means for them, so you you need to take this one on the road tonight. This is not an opponent to take lightly at all the Pacers for a moment there, but this is still a tough team. This is still a team that's still in contention for the playoffs. It's not just Halliburton. It's also Buddy Heald. It's also Miles Turner. It's a very talented squad and a very tough squad to try to play with, especially at their house in Indiana at the best at the basketball state, the home of basketball, where basketball is like another religion to these people. So I wouldn't take this lightly, but I'll say possibly upset, but the Cavs could pull this off. Yeah, they're the Pacers are seventeen and eleven at home, two and eight in their last ten. You mentioned Matt that they're sliding right now. Tyrese Riley Burton averaging twenty one point one points per game. Cavs are one and one against the Pacers this season. I do like the Cavs on the road today to pick up the win. Then they play the Wizards tomorrow as a part of their back to back. The Wizards are ninth in the Eastern Conference. They're twelve and eleven at home, six and four in their last ten games. Quickly, guys, Wizards, what do you think of that matchup? You know, Washington, they're also kind of just collectively average. I know last night they blew a huge lead to Brooklyn in the fourth quarter and lost. Uh you know they're above, they're below five hundred, but at the same time we're gonna be coming off the second night of a back to back. Yeah, this is this is a game you really should win, but I would not be surprised if they just they're a little tired for this one. Bradley Bill really needs to get out of there, you know. Is I really feel so bad for him. He deserves better, but I'll say the Cavs pull this one off. Bradley Bill was out yesterday against the Nets, so we'll see if he's available for this game against the Cavaliers. Who knows who's going to play for the Cavaliers as it is a back-to-back. Right now, though, I am comfortable in saying that the Cavs will pick up that win as well. Then a one-game stop at home to play Detroit on Wednesday. Detroit, they're 14-40. and They're obviously going to be without Cade Cunningham and Marvin Bagley III. And the Cavs are 2-0 against this Pistons team this season. I like the Cavs in this one. You guys as well. Oh, yeah, this should be an easy win. Yeah. Rest the starters in the fourth, get them ready for the weekend series. Oh, yeah, definitely. I like the Cavs in this one as well. Then Pelicans on Friday, Bulls on Saturday. That rounds out the week, a busy week for the Cavs. What do you think of those two games? New Orleans is the only team you're playing that's above 500 on this, like, sprint to the All-Star break. Uh, so, you know, if we are going to drop a game on this, it would most likely be New Orleans. I don't know is I don't know if Zion's back from injury yet or what his uh, projected return is. If you catch a break and you don't get and you don't have to play Zion, you have a chance to win. Yeah, Zion is still out. It's assumed that he will still likely be out okay, yeah, when the Cavs do play the Pelicans. And I agree with that assessment. I think the Cavs pick up a win against the Pelicans and then the Bulls on Saturday. Last matchup against the Bulls was the game where Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points. Not expecting that out of Donovan or De- Donovan Mitchell, if I said Darius Garland. Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points. Not sure if we're expecting that type of performance out of him, but what do you guys think about that game? You know, the Cavs are a different team at home, but we really haven't played many home games. We played the night before on the road. So, again, this is a game you should win, but just 
given the circumstances of this and just you know the human body getting fatigued, I again I would not be surprised if you know we we lost that game. Yeah, they should pull this one out. I mean, this is a pretender, a phony of a team with the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, they should they should get this one another easy dub. All right. So while the Cavs play a lot of games this week. We are all expecting some easy wins here for the Cavs as they head into the All-Star break. It'll be interesting. I don't see them going, you know, 5-0. They might drop a game here and there, especially those two tough back-to-backs. We'll see what happens for the Cavs this week, though. Before we go to break, I teased it before the segment started. A around-the-roo question based around this Cleveland Cavaliers team that I'm really looking forward to. It was a question I thought of earlier early in the week, and it was a question that I decided to turn into Around the Rue, which is where we debate around the table and bring it to you via our Twitter page, at WZIP Sports. And here it is, the question. If you could choose one player on the Cavs' current roster to retire as a Cavalier, who would it be? And the catch is, it can't be Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland because those would be our answers, obviously. So no Donovan Mitchell, no Darius Garland, current Cavs player on the roster to retire as a Cavalier. I'm very intrigued by Matt's answer to this. I don't know what you guys are going to say, but I thought there was a very easy answer, and it's the jersey that you're wearing right now, Matt. Yeah, it is. But you said that you might have somebody else. Who's your player? Oh, my player's Chetty Osman. Okay. I absolutely love Jetty, and I, all the players love Jetty. He's he, he's an absolute vibe. There's a reason LeBron still hangs out with Jetty Osman, even though he only played one season with Jetty Osman, and that's because he's just a great locker room dude. I know, like Donovan, uh, Donovan Mitchell was one of two All Star votes. That, uh, sorry, Donovan Mitchell voted Jetty Osman to the All Star team, and some someone else voted Jetty Osman to the All Star team. Uh, on the Cavs, he, he's he's a beloved guy. You know, he, probably he's not a starter by any stretch, but I mean, he's a very good seventh player in the rotation. He can hit threes. He's just a really fun guy. I love Jetty so much, Matt. You stole my thunder. I knew we were going to do that thunder. because mm, we were off air and we were saying like, when you said yours was obscure too. Too, I'm like, oh, he picked Jetty because the obvious answer is it's the Evan Mobley. It's, it's Evan, Evan Mobley. The obvious the answer obvious is Evan answer. Mobley. Yeah, but I'm like, no, no, right? But I love, I love Jetty Osman's my favorite Turkish man. Yeah, there's just something about him, man. There's I mean, something he's, about Jetty. He's currently fifth all time in three pointers made in franchise history. He's that spark off the bench can make can go hot and just go streaking in every in any single game. His shot making, making ability is off the charts. His name is fun. Saying Jetty Osmond is Jetty. just very, very fun. And sure, there are better players. Evan Mobley's one of them. But there's just an emotional connection that I think exists between fans and Jetty that I'm going with him. And I'd love to see him retire as a Cavalier. Not what I was expecting. Marcus, are you going the logistical route in Evan Mobley? Or are you are you jumping on the Jetty train here? Uh, I'm think I'm just go with the obvious, you know, Kevin Love, you know, that's oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean fan loyalty, Cleveland loyalty, I mean and going with the obvious. <laughs> okay. So I'm making the poll right now on our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. Jetty Osmond is option number one. Yeah. Kevin Love is option number two. 
Option three, I say we make that Evan Mobley. Okay. That'll probably be the winner on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then number four, we're going to make that other, in case you think Ricky Rubio, Karis LeVert, Jared whoever Allen. it might be. Jared Allen, that's a great choice as well. So those will be the four options. We'll have that up for you to vote in during the break. And we're about to head to break right now. When we come back for the last segment of today's Sports Power Talk, NFL headlines. Matt, you're going to bring all of your NFL analysis and more to the show. We'll talk about last week's games. We'll talk about the Super Bowl a little bit. And we'll also roast the NFL Pro Bowl games. All that and more coming up next on Sports Power Talk. What's going on, everyone? Welcome in to the final segment of today's Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron, the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. My name is Jake Mern, the host of your show today, and I'm joined alongside Matt Bermuka. Jetty Osman is the greatest Cavalier of all time. I completely agree with that yes. statement. I completely agree. Go vote at WZIP Sports around the Rue player other than Darius Garland, other than Donovan Mitchell, that you want to see retire as a Cleveland Cavalier. Second analyst on today's show, the always entertaining NFL <clears throat> widow, Mark Sanderson. This is what I don't like about Cleveland fans, you know. It's just, they get so delusional. <laughs> Why can't we like the players? So Why can't delusional? we like the dude? Like, we love Anderson Verja. We know Verja wasn't Yeah, good, but, but he's like, not the greatest Cavs player in history. Well, that was obviously it? not. Like, that was That was a, Clearly a joke. I would hope people took it as that. <laughs> Somebody's probably going to clip us saying that, Matt. And, well, okay, look, well, my favorite yeah. thing with Jetty, there's always that one guy. If you ever go to a Cavs game, whenever Jetty Osman's shooting free throws, it is dead silent, and you have one guy from, like, the upper deck yelling, MVP. <laughs> is that you? Free- no, it, no, I don't have Cavs season tickets. That guy does, though. Yeah. But okay. Seti is cool, though. Seti is cool. I, yeah. I dig with Seti. All right. Yeah. We love Jetty here at WZIP Sports. We move on, though. Uh, NFL headlines, and we'll talk about last week's AFC and NFC title game first here as the Chiefs beat the Bengals in the AFC Championship game 23-20. to uh, We're not going to harp on these games all that much because it was last Sunday, but I did want to get your guys' thoughts on the final moments of this AFC title game where Joseph Osai for the Bengals committed that unnecessary roughness penalty, which... Gave Harrison Butker a 45-yard field goal attempt with eight seconds left in the game, winning the game for Kansas City and sending them to the Super Bowl. What do you guys think of those final moments in the game? Yeah, it's just, um, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, you see him out of bounds. I'm not going to blame the whole loss on him because there was also other things to blame on. The offensive line not protecting Joe Burrow. I remember the very first, their very first drive. He gets sacked three plays in a row. So you look back at all the other little things leading up to that moment, but at the end of the day, it's like Patrick Holmes is the man. He did what he had to do. But at the same time, it's like you see him headed out of bounds. It's not like he's going to truck you. He's the quarterback. So I would say just let off. And, yeah, but... I would put all the blame on Osai Jones, you know. You you, got to feel for Osai. You know, he's... That that poor guy is probably the most ridiculed man in Cincinnati, Ohio, right now. Yeah, you know, and I I understand in the moment you are chasing Patrick Mahomes and you are trying to tackle him in bounds to keep the clock running. However, he is hobbled and he was clearly out of bounds. I mean, that penalty was clear as day. 
Uh, but, you know, I mean, Mahomes did a great job selling it, too, because, I mean, Mahomes, you know, he did his flop like three steps after he was pushed. But, you know, it's just you got to feel for the guy because that's, that's, that's what people remember because that was the last made error. People always remember yeah. the last made error as what caused you the game, and they always tend to forget all of the other errors in the game. Like Cincinnati's, like Marcus just alluded to, the Bengals O-line, they had a chance to go down and win the game, but they uh, let Joe Burrow get sacked on second and third down. And then uh, uh, the, uh, uh, Cincinnati special teams let up that return to Sky Moore. I mean, like, people are going to put that on the side because that, that's the last thing they remember. But Cincinnati had their chance to win that game. Yeah, and I'm sure those final two drives are going to be sticking in the heads of Bengals fans this entire offseason, waiting for next season to start. And I really agree with you guys. I fell for Osai right when the moment happened because I knew the penalty was going to get thrown. We all knew it was the right call. But just in the moment, you also knew that that play costed the Bengals. You you knew it right away. You knew the implications of that. Yeah. Yeah, you knew that. Sure, while there were all these other things that could have happened differently in the game, that in that moment, that one play costed the Bengals a, a trip to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, and it was... The it, camera angles just focusing on Osai after the game, him on the bench. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. Years. Like, get off of him. He already feels bad enough. Yeah. Right, leave him right, alone. Like, remember, <laughs> right after that, like, he was cramping up and everything. Like, he was sitting down on the sideline, and they just kept zooming into him. Yeah, I thought his leg snapped. Yeah, I thought he got injured or something. Like he, yeah, like he, he was it like, looked like it because he planted his leg, yeah. and then it kind of did one of those like reverb things. Yeah, yeah. I legitimately thought he tore his ACL and costed his team a trip to the Super Bowl all in the same play. Yeah, I felt terrible for yeah. him, and the cameras were on him. It was it was a hard scene to watch. Yeah, I, it, it was shameful. I saw another video of the. The Bengals head into the locker room. One of their teammates be like, "What the f? Why? Why oh, the yeah. f you touch the quarterback?" Oh yeah, like it was like the first guy in the locker room, and he like yelled specifically, "You don't touch the court." Like, come that, on, that's like, your teammate, that, man. Oh my, yeah. At that point in time, like, come on, like, was it a starter or anything? Too, it'd be like really ironic if it was a guy that just didn't play at all. I, I I'm not gonna pretend to know which Bengals player it was, nor their starting defensive uh, rotations right now, yeah. but. Yeah, it was a tough scene to watch. Um, ultimately, the the Chiefs won the game. They took their victory lap. And did the Bengals deserve it, guys, for saying those things? You know, Burrowhead Stadium saying that Joe Burrow was <laughs> the Patrick Mahomes' father. The mayor of since, yeah, the mayor of Cincinnati with the paternity test thing. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That was just... Turned okay. a lot of people against this Travis team. Kelsey so did, so the Bengals, did the Bengals have it coming? Oh, they should. Just a quick message. Mayor Justin Bibb of Cleveland, if the Cavs, Guardians, or Browns ever make it to their respective league's championship game or deep in the playoffs, please never make any video as cringy as that. Please never do that. You can make a friendly bet with the other city's mayor. Do not do what the Cincinnati mayor did and just make a you-know-what of himself on a national stage. Please, Mayor Bibb, never do that when the Cleveland teams are in that situation. Yeah. Certainly don't need to add any more fuel to a fire for another team to beat another team, especially when it comes to the NFL playoffs. Uh, Transitioning to the NFC Championship game, though, just a dominating performance from the Eagles. They won 31-7. Of course, Brock Purdy left on the first first drive of the game. He went 4-4 with 23 yards in the game. Came out later. He tore his UCL. 
uh, in, the, in that first series of the game. Marcus, you're wearing a Eagles hat right now. Uh, uh, were you pleased by this performance from the Eagles in that NFC title game? I was pleased, but I was disappointed with the whole game. I expect it to be a very exciting, tough, smash-mouth game between two smash-mouth opponents. I'm absolutely disappointed in the 49ers, the way they played. It seemed like they didn't really want this game, you know, it's especially down the down the stretch. They just gave up. Well, I mean, when your running back is yeah. playing quarterback, you know, you're not really thinking, guys, we can do this. Yeah. Christian, uh, like, Christian McCaffrey secretly, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning rolled into one. Like, you know, they kind of knew that game yeah. was done. They, they, they knew it. Yeah, especially when I saw the last fourth down play they ran, like, Handing off the depot Samuel out the backfield, have him run straight up the middle and didn't get anything. It's like they just gave up. You know, they had so many negative yardage plays. Like at this point, they just gave up. I actually turned it off. It wasn't even fourth quarter. I turned yeah. it off. I changed the channel. Yeah, it wasn't the most entertaining game. It was hard to watch there. And Jalen Hurts went 15 for 25, 121 yards, yet they still put up 31 points, really showing how good this Eagles team is. We'll talk about the Super Bowl here in a matter of moments, but I do want to touch on the NFL Pro Bowl games. And another thing we're about to do right now is a QB carousel predictions. So, of course, every offseason, QBs change teams. But I want to do an NFL offseason QB carousel predictions quickly. Give me a sentence or two reason why you think this quarterback is going to play for this team. But we're going to start with Jimmy Garoppolo as the 49ers said they don't foresee a circumstance where he returns to San Francisco. So, Jimmy Garoppolo, where does he play next season and why? Jimmy Garoppolo is going to Washington, D.C. to play for the Commanders. The uh, Carson Wentz experiment is over and it failed, regardless if Washington wants to roll with Sam Howell or draft a quarterback out of college. Uh, Garoppolo could right the ship, so to speak, for a season or two. All right. I think he plays for the Indianapolis Colts next season. I mean, his style fits with the Colts' style of play pretty much, and also with um, also, I forgot who's their new head coach. Did they they don't have one, one yet? currently. No, they, they don't have one yet. yet. No. Oh yeah. <laughs> They're interviewing twelve different people currently. I'm not making that number up. They, oh wow, I was surprised. They, but anyways, his, his style is. They have no idea. His he's playing a conservative style. It fits with the coast offense. It's very conservative. All it is is a run first offense, and I think he, it's ideal. He plays for the Colts. I'm going to go with the Jets here. The New York's defense, it isn't as good as San Francisco's, but they still are really dominant and good defense. And Jimmy G also played under Jets offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur as he was the 49ers passing coordinator and wide receiver coach. I think he would fit very well in that Jets system if the Jets decide to move on from Zach Wilson and Mike White and decide to bring on Jimmy Garoppolo. I could see that fit uh, happening there. Next up, Tom Brady. He did retire, but, of course, Again. he retired last, yes. last offseason as well. So does he stay retired, yes or no? And if not, what team does he play for next year? Oh, I think he goes to the broadcast booth. He would be foolish to turn down, like, $38 million this year to do substantially less work and to live in Florida. I I don't see a reason. He's got nothing to prove. That Tampa Bay roster is uh, – it, it, it's it, – it's hitting a rough patch, and I don't really know what team could go out and sign Brady or really want to at this point. Yeah, I think I don't see this. I don't see this. 
coming back pretty much. I don't see this being another comeback. He stays home. He calls it quits. I remember him once saying that once I suck, that's when I'm going to quit playing football. And that last playoff game, is it was pretty pitiful to see. And great, great to you, Tom Brady. I hate to admit this, but he really is the greatest of all time. I don't yep. like to admit that. I don't I really hate to admit that. Why? It's just, I don't know. It's just, I like that so many other quarterbacks than him. It's just unfair that how he had all this success, all these wins, all these Super wins, while there was other quarterbacks in history before him that was way more talented than him. I don't know. It's just, dang, I just hate to admit that. Yeah, I, I understand that sentiment in that oh, way. Man. Just, yeah, I mean, he is the GOAT. He has retired officially for a second time, and I agree with you guys that this will be his official retirement. We will see him likely in a broadcast booth next year. Next up, though, another quarterback getting up there in age, Aaron Rodgers. I have two scenarios here. This is what I think most likely. I think he stays in Green Bay. We've heard Rodgers trade rumors every year for the past two or three years, and he just signed that massive extension last summer. I really don't think he goes anywhere or he becomes really petty and decides to repeat the Brett Favre cycle and he goes to New York oh, one yeah. year, forces his way out and demands to play for the Vikings. He either We're either living in a paradox or he's staying in Green Bay. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. I think he stays in Green Bay. There's been rumors. That's all I think they are. I just think they are rumors. Uh, last offseason, we thought he was going to the Broncos. Yep. This offseason, I think he's staying put in Green Bay. Any thoughts on that, Marcus? Oh, yeah, he's definitely staying in Green Bay. Definitely, there's no doubt. You know, I see the future of Green Bay looking very bright with Jordan Love and the Jordan Love and Christian Watson connection, but he's staying in Green Bay. Lamar Jackson is the next quarterback on the list. I'll go first here. I think the Ravens franchise tag him until he can't be franchise tagged anymore unless they do offer, offer him the contract that he eventually does want and desire. I think he's going to be a Raven next year, though. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think uh, Baltimore does decide to pay him. Uh, but in this in this alternate reality where they decide to not be smart and decide to explore a trade, I think Atlanta would be an obvious suitor for him. You know, they almost had Deshaun Watson last some uh, last off season. I mean, the uh, first picture Deshaun Watson posted where the Browns sent him the jersey. You could see a Falcons jersey on his pool table in his basement. Like Atlanta should have Deshaun Watson right now, so I don't see why they wouldn't go out for Lamar Jackson if he became available. I I think I think he does go. It's just that with him being injured for the last half of the season for the second year in yeah. a row, row. And so I say it's either he plays for the Falcons or plays for the Dolphins, depending on how Tua Ooh. the status of Tua goes. Yeah, that's certainly something to watch out for. Two more quarterbacks on the list. Next up is Derek Carr, though. Of course, the the Raiders moving on from him, seeking a trade for Derek Carr. Where do you see that trade destination being? I think it's the New York Jets. I think that organization realizes if they had competent quarterback play, not even above average, just competent, they would have been a playoff team. Uh, you know, we saw, like, maybe they get lucky against Buffalo round one because Buffalo struggled, but... Yeah, that organization's aware. We just need someone. If they get a team, if they get a quarterback slightly above average, with that kind of talent offensively and that defense, they should be a for sure wild card lock. Hmm. Oh yeah, definitely the New York Jets. I'll say. Well, 
I'm going with Buccaneers here. I think that's mm-hmm. one of the most likely destinations for Derek Carr. I think he goes to a, a stable team who's in need of that one piece at QB to make things work. I certainly think that fits in Tampa Bay. It fits with the Jets as well, like you guys were saying, but Tampa Bay has the stability in their front office, and they have two pro bowlers at wide receiver. The Buccaneers could be and would likely be the favorites in the NFC South if that trade were to go down. That's not saying much, though. I mean, sure, sure. but That's not the compliment you think it is. I think Derek Carr would fit well with the Buccaneers, and they could have success in the NFC. I respectfully disagree. I really don't think Carr could pick the— If Tom Brady— can go if Tom Brady goes nine and eight with that team. I don't see how you could downgrade a quarterback and expect similar results. But yeah, that's a fair argument. Last quarterback on the list and the best quarterback of all the ones we've been talking about. Most importantly, Baker Mayfield. Where does he play next year? I think he goes to Tampa because I think oh. he want. I think he wants to start. Uh, so I think he'll be on his fourth team in a calendar year uh, when March rolls around. That team would certainly be better than Tom Brady and the Bucs were last year. Marcus, where do you think Baker Mayfield goes to? Um, Free agency. Well, yeah, but what team does he sign with? McDonald's. Flip it burgers. I'll I'll see. (laughs) He goes goes to college game day. Yeah, maybe college game day, or maybe back to the Oklahoma facility, or back at Texas, Texas high school alma mater somewhere. I don't, I don't know. It's just <laughs> he was never good enough in the NFL to begin with. I never even liked him since he got drafted. <laughs> I guess there's rumors about the Buccaneers possibly signing Baker Mayfield because being reunited with his first offense coordinator Tom Munkin. And also, Bruce Arians being a big fan of Baker Mayfield, maybe. It's just, I don't know. I never thought he was good enough for the NFL. I never did. I never did. Marcus, that hurts my soul, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jay. I know you're a big fan. You're a diehard Baker fan. But it's I just, am. I'm being real with you. I'm keeping it real. Right. I appreciate you You keeping it real on, on Sports Power Talk today. I think Baker Mayfield signs with the Washington Commanders, though. Oh, gosh. I, I know. That would be, I mean, oh, that would can't be catch terrible. a break, but I just think that's where that he goes. That would be the biggest disaster in D.C., and I, I say that fully aware that that is our nation's capital, and whatever you believe about the current political climate of the United States, Baker Mayfield on the Washington Commanders would be much worse than anything in the District of Columbia could ever be. <laughs> Man, I don't even have a response. I thought this was going to be a fun troll segment here with Baker Mayfield throwing that in at the end, and now I just have my feelings. I tried to restrain myself, man, but, you know, you you kept going. Washington, they need a quarterback, right? Uh, Yeah, I guess. They could draft one, but I just think Baker Mayfield could make sense as a backup or maybe a starter at the beginning of the year. I don't know why they keep giving up on Taylor Heineke. No, Taylor Heineke, he deserves better than Washington. Yeah. He deserves better. I don't necessarily disagree. Let's move on from that, though. Before we come full circle and talk about the Super Bowl, let's talk about the NFL Pro Bowl games. I want to get your guys' thoughts on Thursday's events. Yeah, the Epic Pro Bowl dodge or the yeah the Epic Pro Bowl dodgeball event, the lightning round with water balloons, punt machines, buckets of water, the longest drive, precision passing, best catch, the first round of that competition. At least all those happened on Thursday night. Did you even watch, first off, and and what do you think about these new Pro Bowl games? I was watching Donovan Mitchell uh, fight Dylan Brooks. Yeah, as was I. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't even watch any of this 
these games pretty much. I mean, it's glad to like see them that make it there, but it's just <laughs> at the same time, it's like, what are we doing, guys? Like, what are we doing? Yeah, it, it's like, silly. It didn't even seem entertaining because, like, I was perusing Twitter during all that. Like, it wasn't trending. It wasn't in the top 30. Tre- it wasn't trending on the sports tab of Twitter, which is even more specific than that. Yeah. Right, and the ratings for the, for the events on Thursday like, were I terrible. Saw, I saw no clips from any of the media out. I saw yeah. one clip the Browns posted that it was it was Joel Batonio doing, like, the uh, lineman punt return thing. Yeah. Uh, I- that was the only clip I saw outside of a little bit of the dodgeball. Yeah, I mean, how ES, how brutal ESPN can be. This <laughs> it headlines: Tyler Huntley gets selected to the Pro Bowl after a two touchdown season. <laughs> how brutal! It is exactly saying like that. Huntley gets to the Pro Bowl after a two touchdown season. <laughs> the NFL is doing everything in their power to destroy the sanctity of their own All Star game. It's it's incredible to see. Yeah, and to me, with these Pro Bowl events and really any sport that has an all-star or Pro Bowl-type caliber event, for me, there has to be an incentive for a viewer to watch. And that incentive could be something as simple as entertainment value, right? Yeah. But for me, just the Pro Bowl has not had that for years. Mm -hmm. They thought this change to Pro Bowl games was going to be it, and it so far clearly is not. And today, more events are going to happen. You have the best catch where receivers show off their acrobatic catches in front of celebrity judges, the gridiron gauntlet, which is a relay race with obstacles. You have kick-tack-toe, where punters, long snappers, and kickers, they compete in tic-tac-toe and then move the chains, which is where linemen lift walls in a 10-yard dash. I mean, it's not many entertaining events, and then it ends with the big 7-on-7 flag football game. So Mm. what do you guys think about the events today? Are you going to watch or couldn't care less? No, I'm not going to watch. I'll, I mean, be, I'll be watching the Cavs on Ballysports, Ohio. Yeah, and also... As will I. Also, there's a big... There's a brand new 30 for 30 episode. You you need to catch this one. It's on the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. I'm not sure if you remember these guys, but these guys was bad. It's called Bullies of Baltimore, 2000 Ravens. Check it out. It's either at 7 30 or 8 30, but it's a new episode, 30 for 30. I'm going to be watching that. You love your 30 for 30s, Marcus. Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, fair enough. I don't really care either. The players don't care. Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby, they both been caught <laughs> saying. This they is, don't care. They'd this, rather be elsewhere. This stuff is stupid, he says. This stuff is, is stupid. Full circle, though, I mentioned it. Super Bowl. We're not going to give our predictions yet. We'll save that for next week's show, of course, when the Super Bowl is going to happen. couple minutes left in today's show. Just a quick breakdown of the game. How can both teams win? Anything that you think out of both teams is key for the Eagles and then the Chiefs as well, respectively, to come out Super Bowl Sunday and come out victorious. Oh, Philly, I think this is their game to lose. Uh, Casey's coming in this game with a beat-up secondary. I think Kay, uh, sorry, Philly needs to go out there, throw early, uh, force Kansas City to play in nickel and dime sets, and then as soon as they bring out uh, those extra DBs, you start running the ball just down their throats with that offensive line. That is your biggest strength. And then, you know, defensively for Philly, Drop seven or eight as much as you can. Mahomes is very banged up. You really don't he, – he's not going to extend plays, so if you can force him into coverage sacks, Hassan Reddick and that defensive line will get to him. Yeah, the Eagles, I, I see them. I see no way they could lose this game, honestly. They just 
just keep doing what they've been doing all season long, keeping a balanced offense, run the ball, throw the ball, keep giving your playmakers the ball, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and also... And the great words of Merrill Reese, they do not have a number one and a number two wideout. They have two number ones. And also that great defensive line, the only first team in NFL history where they have four different players with 10 sacks a season. Just keep attacking Patrick Mahomes. And then I know there's going to be comparisons between this team and the two, their 2017 team, but I don't see no comparison. This team is way better. This, this is the best team the Eagles ever had, honestly. Mm. But, I see a way KC can can win this is take a chip. This is a championship lesson. Meet aggression with aggression. I think that that's what the Chiefs have to do. I think that's what Andy Reid has to do. Face his ex-team. Keep it on the ground. Try to attack them early. And try to rely less on Patrick Mahomes pretty much. I know it's Patrick Mahomes. I know he's a supernatural, but try to make it easy for him. Yeah, I think the Chiefs can win if they utilize the run on offense and stop the run of the Eagles. And if Hurts can protect the ball and the Eagles' defense plays strong in the fourth quarter, I can see them winning as well. Regardless, I just see this game being a very entertaining Super Bowl in a game that comes down to the wire. The betting odds are very close as well. And that is going to do it for today's February 5th edition of Sports Power Talk. We celebrated Akron's win over Kent State down the road, the Electric Chickens. We also discussed the latest headlines within the NBA, the NFL, and so much more. Any last thoughts on today's show, guys? I'm glad that it's uh, revealed we're Jetty Osman enthusiasts here. That's why that's the highlight of the day for me. Really is. Jetty enthusiasts. And Kyrie Irving, I'll take it back. I actually see him become a school teacher somewhere, you know. I like to take what him teaching are you. I would like to take a course from him, honestly, Julie. See what really goes on in the mind of Kyrie Irving. Okay. Seriously. From that perspective, fine, but I don't want him teaching anybody his I ways. mean, he's a Duke man, came out of high school with a three point eight GVR. I like to see what goes mm. on in his mind for real. <laughs> For me, go Zips. That game on Friday was absolutely entertaining. The women's team, we know we have they have it in them. They just have to correct themselves down the end of the season. Also, follow and turn on post notifications on our Twitter page at WZIP Sports to stay in the know. Joining me on today's show were Matt Permuka, Marcus Anderson. My name is Jake Murin. Logan Congrove will be taking over for me as host of SBT for the next two weeks. So until I speak to you all again, be kind to one another. Akron and Sports Power Talk will be back same time and place next week on 881 WZIP.